Blog Talk Radio. Of what CNN continues to utter about Wise with wisdom, I'm taking the scenic route Heavily devoted and complex Like your flat screen television remote is a main focus is to make you understand These lectures I perform are indeed like Lance Armstrong Without the substance, this is lyrical form for the public Poetic justice while I sip my tea You and I see why like Queen Latif Motherfucker, it's Billy Pump Creek Like I'm Fetty Wapper, nigga always dropping some heat Fuck a repeat buttons, known to never suffer defeat So why they keep frontin', frontin' on the guard to make you atheist You hate this shit, not in my radius Every beat be getting 86, yeah I'm godly with the paper, make your pen game That's paperweight, been known for chasing cake This is paperweights on no man Forever on my grind like playing this slow jams Y'all niggas acting fool, how you cool with your no fans, yeah They claim they homie, we can't trust them Cause they hella phony, hate can never homie Second text until I flood the rollie, getting my cake up but nothing that mess up on these lame fucks Every line divine, been co-signed by the brain trust up Modern day Einstein, life remain a lifeline Name the brightest stars that outshine Christ into another episode of Two Red Tuesdays right here on Indie Fire with your host, Nakia. And that was Billy Palm Trees and Keith Christ with the Bronic. You can find the Bronic on uh, Billy Palm Trees' debut album, DeLorean. Uh, we talked about Billy a little bit on last night. Damn, it was just last night, wasn't it? Yes, last night on New Music Mondays. Yes, so Billy started us off last night. And he started us off tonight as well. I don't know who did that. But shout out to you, Billy Palm Tree. I know you have to listen to him. Uh, tonight, uh, gosh, y'all, I feel like I've been on, like, autopilot since last Wednesday. I've been all across my state um, and, and dipped down into another state. And it don't stop. Like, I'm, I'm book solid. People are like, I need to get in contact with you. I need to do this with you. You know, we need to hook up to do this. I am booked every weekend until the end of April. So catch me when you can catch me because I'm going to be everywhere. And I'm probably going to be in your city or your state. I'm going to be in ATL this weekend, only on Saturday. I'll be in Charlotte, on, Charlotte, North Carolina on 
Friday um, and Spartanburg, South Carolina, in between those two stops. So if you are anywhere near those areas, make sure you look me up. I can't tell you what I'm down there for, but um, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Saturday is going to be a whole day and whole night in ATL. So uh, hit me up, you know, so we can we can do something, you know. Um, I didn't talk about this last night. I don't even remember what I talked about last night. But, you know, the past couple of weeks we've been talking about the nine-year-old who was found in the duffel bag in California, right? And last week we, we mentioned that the mother's boyfriend um, who had some felony child abuse charges was actually um, one of the suspects that were picked up, and they did go ahead and put the charge of murder on him, right? All right, so not only, you know, felony child abuse, you got some, some you know, child endangerment, you got some child neglect, you got some registered sex offender type shit going on. I also now, they want to charge the moms as well. She's been extradited from Texas to California. It may be just California to Texas. Look it up. Don't quote me. They want to charge her as well. I, and my thing is, as a mother, like when is your instinct kicking and tell you something ain't right about a nigga that you fucking with? I just need to know. At what point does that occur? And I, I don't I don't get it how these females can just fall into any type of relationship for the fact of saying I got a man on my arm. Um, do your work, you know, before you bring this man around your kids, especially your daughters, you know. And I, nowadays it can be your daughter or your son. Um, but at what point, like, I got people that fact check everybody that I fuck with, everybody. And so, and they be so serious about the thing, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes I feel like, okay, it's not that serious, you know. But, yeah, they make sure men are legit that I that I deal with, you know, because I do have children. Now, I don't bring them around my kids, you know, unless we serious, serious, serious. Like, you don't put a ring on it type serious, so, you know, ain't nobody been around my kids. Um, but I just don't understand these females who, who do that just to have or to say that I got a man, you know, and he's just all up in your house and, you know, all with the kids and you leave them, you know, you leave your kids with a man. And it's no, I, I just don't get it. So this is three weeks we've been talking about this and it's not over yet, you know, because they were thinking about charging her. So and this was yesterday's news. So I'm sure you know, by the end of the week, some type of decision is going to be made. And we'll talk about it again, maybe Thursday, maybe Monday, maybe next Tuesday. Who knows? Um, now, other than that, I don't, because, you know, we don't like to talk about everything that we may discuss on He Said, She Said. But I probably should bring some news back because I'm still looking for the he to go with the she, but he said, she said, right? I'm not putting it out there that I want to co-host again. I really don't feel like I need one right now. But, you know, the he said, she said has to have a co-host, has to have. Um, and maybe some input more on the music that we play on New Music Monday. So I might have, you know, some guest co-hosts slide in or whatever. But um, I'll definitely start bringing you back more entertainment news, um, celebrity news uh, that we would normally talk about on he said, she said. I'll bring it back, you know, in the beginning of of like Tuesdays on Indie Fire on on Thursday. All right, y'all remember a couple of weeks ago we had an author on um, out of out of Georgia, and you know phenomenal interview, and um, it was always the mission and a part of the mission statement of Indie Fire to be able to reach out to all 
independent communities, whether you're doing, you know, modeling, um, you're a videographer, you're an artist, you're, you know, a blogger, whatever you do that you're doing independently, you know, that was always a mission for Andy Fire to be able to provide the platform for these individuals, you know, to um, give them an avenue of expression or an additional avenue of expression to promote their brand. So I love the fact that we've had so many authors, I know at least two a month since, you know, the new year, since season three started. So I'm excited tonight that we do have another author on tonight. He's an author, he's an entrepreneur, and he said he's a gold digger too. Now, some people probably read that all wrong because you think of the female and you know what's, you know, how typically the phrase gold digger, you know, was used in the past, but I get it. I understand. When you listen to his bio, when you uh, start to read that book, you know, you got to get on his book, you begin to realize what he's talking about when he terms himself a gold digger. I'm talking about James Turner. He was born and raised in the drug-infested Gym City, that's Dayton, Ohio, and became a product of his environment when he was introduced to the dope game and fast money. It did not take him long to get entrapped in the lifestyle and the spoils that came with his riches. But he quickly learned that the game loved no one and found out how treacherous the game could be. Getting money comes with plenty of stories, good and bad. So I ride with this author through the streets of the Gym City while he tells you what people will do. My guest this evening is author, entrepreneur, and gold digger, James Turner III. How you doing? Did you say gold digger or gold digger? Gee, I don't know. What do, what do you say? Is it gold or is it gold? It's gold, G-O-A-L, like a gold, a gold digger, like, you know what I'm saying, like a gold. You know how you set gold? Yeah, well, it could be gold also because aren't you reaching yeah. for, you don't want to settle for the scraps. You want to settle for, uh, and you don't want to settle. I'll say that. You don't want to settle, but you as you're reaching those goals, I feel that the gym gold is very important in that analogy as well. So that's why I said gold digger. Yeah, but we're right. I, ain't tri- gold, I, I was just making sure. I, I was just making sure I didn't make a typo. You're right. That's real. You're right. I ain't tripping. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> so how <laughs> you doing this evening? I'm doing great. So I want to just jump right into this um, before I, I touch upon the book itself. Uh, when did you first realize that you wanted to be a writer? Uh, I really didn't um, really consider myself a writer. I always wanted to be, like, behind the scenes. Anything I wanted to get into, if it was music or doing movies, anything, I always wanted to be, like, a behind-the-scenes person. And what happened was, I was a reader for Triple Crown Publications. You know, that was one of the first urban fiction came out in the late late nineties, early. So I helped get a couple known artists, known artists books published, and people kept telling me by me being able to dissect the story so well that I should be a writer. But I, I didn't really want to be a writer. I just wanted to be behind the scenes. But I had a story that just kept popping up in my head, popping up in my head. So one day I finally took the time and sat down and started putting it together. And that's when I came up with Hanking in Love with the Game. And um, today, I really still don't consider myself an author, you know, because um, like I said, I want to be behind the scenes. So I, I'm kind of like on a, on, a, on a teeter-totter about that. 
So it had to be like maybe like about four or five years ago. And prior to that, what were you doing? Oh, prior to that, and 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 to go back into it and how I became a reader for Triple Crown, I, I did ten years in prison. You know, I was in in, in the joint doing ten years, and it passed my time. You know, I used to read a lot of books, and they say the best writers are people who read a lot. You know, and that's how mm-hmm. I probably gained the skill to be able to dissect the story and put the story together. But prior to that, you know, I, I was I did ten years in in in, in prison. I've been out going on um, ten years now, but as far as my writing journey, that's where it's, that's where it started at. But uh, as far as being an entrepreneur, I've been an entrepreneur all my life because, as my book speaks, you know, I was tied up in the street life, and that, and that's what I understand with my young brother. If we can sell a person, something's gonna kill him. How come we can't sell somebody? Something's gonna help him, or something's gonna yeah. provide for us and help us live without having to go to prison. You know? Yeah. So typically now, how many hours a day? Like I, when I when I interview artists, you know, we talk about the process. Do you do you make music? I mean, do you write your lyrics first and then comes the beat, or do you have the beat first and then comes your lyrics? So, as an author or writer, like what's the process for you? I would meet with my I get a concept, you know what I'm saying, or or a certain situation in my life I might reminisce about, or something happened something currently happened and I'll think of how I can turn that into a story because sometimes something happened in our life you know that it'd be um, very intriguing you could turn it into a story just like when you said you was on a long road trip and you was listening to Japanese music the kids had you listen to Japanese music you could have you could have put that into a story some type of way so <laughs> what happened with me I just get a concept or or but my books, they are they they are they are fiction, but they are filled with true life events. So like I might be sitting down reminiscing about something, or like I say, something might happen, and I and I come up with a storyline for it, you know, and I just put it all together. Outline so, that you use. Uh, the outline basically comes from like um, the concept and. and and like I said, I try to write about things that touch close to home or things that I've experienced. So how to outline it go, how I do my outline is, just like I said, I come up with a concept uh, like Hankin. Hankin is about uh, just here recently in Ohio, in an over-country period, we had a real epidemic with heroin, you know. And, and when I was tied yes. up in the streets, you know, that was, that, was, that was my product of choice. It was heroin. So when I get a concept like that, I just sit down and I just think about, all my heroin stories, you know what I'm saying? And I just turn them into a story and get it all to tie together or whatever I choose to write about. Once I get a concept, like I said, they're most likely going to be something true to life. So I just tell my story, how it happened. And I, and only part of the fiction come in, the fiction come in to protect people, people, places, you know what I'm saying, protect names and certain situations that happen. Right, right. Right. Um, a lot of what has transpired in your own life personally do you also, and I know you just mentioned, you know, protecting other people's privacy, but do you do you have stories um, that talk about other individuals and how they may have affected your life? Yeah, those stories are also tied in. Those stories also be with the, in my own story. It would be a man, there be a character in my book, or it just may be a, a certain character that I choose to write about and tell their story. But yes, always um, 
somebody else's story always to play inside of my story. Cause like I said, another character. And like my book I got now, Hanky in Love with the Game, it's a few, it's a couple characters in there and a story a spinoff, and that's their story. And how and how they affect it, and how they affect the situation or whatever or whatever's going on in the moment. Okay, so any of the, the characters, like I told you before we started, I haven't really got deep into the book yet. But any of your characters in the hanky are they are they female? Oh yeah, it's it's, it's basically it's, it's basically really it's really a love story. You know, it's a street love story, but it's, there's some females in the book. It's a, a few females in the book. How do you and, write um, from the opposite sex perspective? How I write from the opposite sex perspective perspective yeah. basically be me writing. Just writing the situation how it happened and putting myself in their shoes, you know, like the general com- – it'd be like I said, all my stories mostly are, are true to life. I, I, I can't I, – it's hard for me to be fake, you know what I'm saying? So I can't guess what a person what situation that took place, you know, saying something that I done seen, something that I done witnessed or something I done heard. Now – I'm always going to, like, go back and forth between comparison, you know, with, with guests on the show, with musicians on the show, with artists on the show. Um, are you consistent with your writing? Do you write daily? You know I'm, con- I'm, con- I'm, I'm consistent with my writing, but right now, like I said, I never really set out to be an author. This book right here is a three-part book. And when I signed my book deal, I signed a two-book deal, and I dropped this book two years ago, and it's not that I'm not consistent with my writing, it's just that I got so many different things going on, and like I said, I never really set out to be an author, but like somebody was telling me, like, man, where's that second book at, man, you got a fan base now, I got people asking me for the book, because what I'm really trying to do now, I'm really trying to turn this book right here into a film, and I'm currently going to school for um, digital cinematography to become a filmmaker, so I can turn this book into a film, although the book is not out yet, but and I don't as to answer your question, no, I don't write every day, but I do jot down some ideas and stuff to go into the book every day. And that's that's something else. <laughs> I gotta make another comparison too. Um, with people in the music industry, and I'm sure you probably know this as well, it's so vital that you learn every single part of the industry. Not just how to step in the studio and record, not just how to be the, you know, perfect songwriter, but you must know all aspects of the industry. So with you wanting to turn that book into a film, yes, you're learning other aspects of your industry. Phenomenal. Um, Because now we need to be able to do things on our own, I feel like, especially as an entrepreneur. You need to be able to do things on your own. You need not have to reach out to so many people, you know, when the opportunity is out there for you to learn all aspects of the trade. So I feel like that's that's very important right there. Very and important. although it's been like a and although it's been a delay on the on the on the on another on the second book, but at the end of the day, I think my audience are gonna be very, very satisfied and get way more than what they pay for for the book because what I'm trying to do is not just a book. I'm trying to also add visuals to it, and and that's what made me want to become a filmmaker and get into um, creating content. It's one of the things you mentioned. You know, I have reached out to a couple of people before and tried to have them do some video footage for me, and our schedules one clicking or 
It was just a bunch of bull crap. Right. So you, I said, you know what? I'm gonna just do this myself. And just like right. my book cover, I'm not a graphic. I'm not a graphic designer, but I knew how I wanted my book cover done. So I had to sketch it out and then present it to the present it to the book cover maker to tell them how I wanted it. You know, cause, and, and that's the thing about my visuals and stuff like that and why I want to take on the responsibility myself. Because I don't think nobody can capture capture my image or what I'm trying to portray the way that I can, you know? Right, right. Now, the Hanky, that's your first book, right? Yes. Is that your only book? Uh, that's my only book out right now that's part of that trilogy. I also have a short story. It's an inspirational story. It's in a book called The Tainted Mirror Anthology. And what it is, it's a book of short inspirational stories. And, and how I got that deal is when I was in prison, I won a writing contest. And part of the deal was if you win, they'll put your, put your story in a book. And the name of that book is called Tainted Mirror Anthology. And you said it was an inspirational book? Yes, this is inspirational stories, yes, from people from all walks, from all different walks of life. You know, they had like about three or four guys in prison and three or four people um, like ministers and just different people who have been through some, some trying situations and how they turned it around. Would you view your writing as a kind of spiritual practice for you? No, I wouldn't really view it as a spiritual practice. I basically just re- I really view it as a as a stress re- as a stress reliever. You know, and and that's one of the things I I I had to learn when I was in prison. I had to find a way to um, exert my uh, my energy. You know, because there's so many rules in there, and you get in trouble for so much difference. Got in the habit of picking up my pen. So if I did ten years in prison, can imagine how many love letters I wrote. I came really good at expressing myself on paper. I became really good at expressing myself on paper. So I just call it really uh, just a way to express myself, not really spiritually, but all the way around, you know? So you mentioned love letters. Are you married? Oh, yes, I'm married. So does your family support your your craft? Yeah, but my, my family support my crab. I, I think, like, with all entrepreneurs, I think all entrepreneurs go through the thing where family want more of you. And it, and it comes time, right, and right. it comes time, and it comes times in your journey where, you know, you got to be on your grind or you're trying to meet a deadline or you're trying to get something done. But for most of all, you know, they're, they're, they're very supportive. Any of your characters ever float around members of your family? Uh, not, not, not so far. I've had characters float around friends, you know, people, associates, or people I knew from the streets, but not really so much family. And then and the thing about when I write about my characters, um, I'll contact the person, let them know, you know, although the, although the name has changed, if certain people pick up this book and read a certain part of it, <laughs> um, they, can, they can relate to what I'm talking about, know what I'm talking about. So, you know, I give a person a heads up, you know, I give people a heads up or, or ask them, you know. That's 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 a fear of mine. I have so many books inside of me, and um, people tell me a lot just by the way I speak or just by the way I write. Even if I'm cursing you out on Facebook, just by the way it's said, you know, it's eloquently done. 
So I have so many books that are inside of me, but I don't feel like I could contact these people and be like, yo, I'm about to write about you in this book. Now pick it up and you'll know that it's you. Of course, names have changed. Maybe locations would change as well. But now nah, I couldn't, like, con- uh, I, like, okay, so for instance, talk about me just a minute. I've been wanting to write this book for probably 10 years, right? I got the title for the book. Like, I got the end of the book, but there's the beginning and the middle that I'm missing. But there are so many men that I want to talk about in this book. Like, I couldn't call it and then be like, yo, so I finally got this book. You know, it's ready to be published. You're in it. You knew you was going to be in it. You know, but I feel like once they, they picked it up, then, yes, they would know, all right, so this whole chapter, you know, is about me. Or, you know, this part right here is about me. So, yeah, that's that's much respect right there. I don't have that much respect for these niggas, but that's much respect that you would take the time out to let these individuals know, you know, that, of course, everything is, I'm protecting your privacy or whatever, but, you know, you're in my book. Yeah, so that's, maybe I'll get to that level before I actually write the book that I can be comfortable enough to say, hey, you're in it, instead of just surprising people. But everybody knows that, you know, that this book has been in me for 20 years probably and um, just hasn't gotten out yet. So the more that I talk to um, authors and, and writers and novelists, you know, and the more tips that I gain from them, then I feel like I'm ready to actually put the pen to paper and get it done, you know. And I, you mentioned that music, I'm sorry, music, that writing was more therapeutic for you. And I used to write, and it was very therapeutic. And then I just I just fell off, you know. So I, I completely understand what you mean right there when you say it's therapeutic. Right now, shopping for me is, is therapeutic. Oh, yeah, that's most definitely therapeutic for me also. (laughs) If an aspiring artist uh, were listening right now, what bit of information would you tell them, like traps to avoid, especially since you did the the publishing, you know, before? Like what, and I don't want to call it a trap, but what would you tell them, like watch out for this right here, don't take this road right here, don't do this right here? What would you say to them? All right, this is going to be like a two answers right here. One of them is going to be addressed to you, but addressing everyone. Like when you said you got the end of the story, but you don't got you don't have the middle and the beginning. How you get the beginning and the middle of your story is tell how you got to the end. That's how you're going to get to the middle and the beginning of your story. You know, yeah. and and that's one of the, and that's because people that get writer's block. You know, people and that's one of the questions yeah. I've been asked a lot of interviews. Like, what do you do for writer's that block? That was what about the writer's block. Yes. Yes. Right, and I I can't I really can't say I really can't say I don't get writers writers block. Like I say, the stories I'm telling are stories that happen that happen for real. So I'm just I'm just telling the story. So that that's that's one of the things I'm gonna tell people to watch out for. If you get a writers block, don't give up. You know, some people will get a story and they get writers block and they just give up and they have a book laying around for ten years. You know. And another thing, uh, some advice I want to give people is be careful what you sign. Read what you sign. Don't sell your soul. People will sell their soul, you know, just trying to get, thinking they're going to get famous or get some money and they being decide they sold away. you got to read what you sign. And, and and the reason I use that, gave that tip out, because that's, that's the first step in the process. Once you get your product, now you need to get it out there. What's the next step? The next step is find you a distributor. So most likely you're going to self-publish or you're going to sign with a company. So if you're going to sign with a company, read what you're signing. That is good advice right there. Um, and you, you mentioned the writer's block already. 
And I feel like every everyone, even um, music artists, go through uh, the writer's block. I know when I was recording, that was hard for me. Um, just I knew what I wanted to sing about, but I just couldn't put that shit on paper for for nothing in the world. Like, you know, I would I would have to lock myself away and really focus on, all right, you got a deadline, you need to get this single done, or you need to get this EP done. And um, I always had writer's luck, always. Like, I was, like, seeking out ghostwriters, like, every day, because I just couldn't creatively, you know, put on paper what I was trying to say for some reason. So that's why I feel like this this um, it has to be consistent. You know, now, you mentioned that you, you write from a truthful perspective that these are real life experiences so it is I think it is easier to create um and it doesn't have to be daily I think it is easier to create when you're talking about real life as opposed to having to pick and choose from other people's you know um the ideologies of what you needed to speak on and that may cause a little writer's block you know I feel but yeah that was a very good um point that you that you made um I don't know what you do now, but I know what you did in the past because you talked about it. But where you are right now, what one thing would you give up to become a better writer? What one thing would I give up? Uh, I'm 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 kind of missing that. When you you saying you saying which what would I give up to become a like what what would I give up like far as like my daily routine something to give something that would give me more time? Yes, like do you have distractions you know that that keep you like for me? Um, I'm in school right now and this is my last semester and I feel like I can just goof off because it's my last semester, but but I can't. I'm so distracted by other things, but if I buckle down, you know I can get it done. So what what is distracting you from keeping you from being able to become a better writer? I think what's distracting me is like I said, I, I just I, I'm just wearing so many hats right now. I'm just doing so many different things, and like I said, it's it's, it's all gonna pay off in the long run. Cause it's all gonna come together, you know. Cause I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm trying to get this done. I'm in I'm in school and I'm working, so it, it's all gonna come together. And that's and that's a good thing. And that's a good question. And and, and for anybody listening, is it, it takes time. That's the thing about anything in life. It takes time, you know. Just like uh writing this book and I and I always use and I always find myself reflecting back to street 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 things I did in the street. Like you don't start off and become rich or a big dope boy overnight. You got to grind. You know, you gotta start off at a half right. and you know what I'm saying? You get a quarter, then you get a whole, then you you know, it, it takes time, it's baby steps, you know, and so giving up something, I won't I don't say I would give up something, I would just ask for more patience. That's what I would do. I wouldn't give up I wouldn't give up anything. I would just ask for more patience. I ask to just be a little more patient. That's a good one. That's because I got very, very, very little, little patience in all aspects of my life. Very little patience. So, yeah, my grandmother, and I'm going to try to remember what she said. It's something like she used to ask the Lord for, you know what, I'm going to come back on that. I'm about to misquote her, but it, it involved patience. You know, it was like I, I asked the Lord for more strength or something, and then, you know, he, he started giving me mountains to move, so I began to ask the Lord, you know, just for patience to endure. It was something like to that, you know, essence. But patience is, is I think, a lot 
I, I think it's something that a lot of people need to acquire. And if you do have it, um, you need to, yeah, always ask for more because it's always going to be something that sets you off and it's going to pull you away from the things that you need to be doing. So I think patience is very, that's a good answer. Like, yeah, I need to acquire more patience as well. Right now, I want to give you a minute to rest your mouth. If you're just tuning in, you're listening live right here on Two It Tuesdays on Indie Fire with your host, Nakia, and our special guest, author, entrepreneur, James Turner. This right here is Natty Boyd Black. You might have remembered him. He uh, was the first guest of the year, and he's also an author. But this is Unapologetic Drifter. I'm an unapologetic drifter. It is the wind that carries me. I live my life day by day, not knowing where I want to be. My life is like the open sea, and my heart is knowing that I have space. I once was attached to another, but the wind blew me away. I'm an unapologetic drifter. I blend in no matter what the crowd, creature, or creed is. I made it easy for you to love me, because I gave you exactly what you thought you needed. And I'm the perfect companion as long as the wind keeps me seated. I'll take you away from where you're comfortable, and leave all your resources depleted. You rely on me, confide in me, and as a queen is how you'll be treated. Then one day I'll turn cold, and that will be the only sign I'm leaving. I'm an unapologetic drifter, in and out your life without a trace. How could you say you miss me, if I never showed you my true face? When I said it's not you, it's me, to tell you the truth, I haven't given it much thought. I said what I needed to enter your heart, and I'll do the same to rest you off. I'm an unapologetic drifter, and I go when I please. I will not shed one tear for you. You're just one fish that bit out the sea. I don't think about your feelings because I don't understand my own. I'm an unapologetic, unapologetic drifter, and with you, I was still alone. The only thing that I know is that I don't know how to stay. Please try not to curse my name, because the lack of love is the greatest pain. I'm an unapologetic drifter, and one day you'll understand that I used to be a dreamer that wanted to settle down one day on land, to have a wife that I'd love and one day asked for her hand. The dream came to an end when I came across my kind. It was an unapologetic drifter that gutted me on the inside. Sure enough, I died, and I became the thing that I hate. I flow in a sea of drifters, fishing for hearts to take. We hate to be alone, but we just don't trust love. So we fake date the ones who love until they hate the fact they trust the ones they fucked. Until they break their backs trying to bait a drifter with a body that'll never be enough. And you'll bake straight through your brain until you figure out what we want. We are unapologetic drifters and we'll devour our dreamers' love. You thought we wanted love or sex, but really, we want a company that looked like us. Yo, what's good? It's your boy Jerusalem from the Scarfella Music Group, and you on the air with the hottest station, Andy Fire. Andy Fire. With your host, Lil Timmy and Nakia, right here, right on the here, station, right here, right here. all the hottest hip hop hits, Andy Fire. Andy Fire. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. 
you're just tuning in, you're live right here on Two Lit Tuesdays, right here on Indie Fire with your host, Nakia. And that was Dallas, Texas author, Natty Boy Black with Unapologetic Drifter. So, what was an early experience where you learned that language? Oh, I want to say in I want to say in school, you know, maybe elementary school, um, writing reports and stuff like that, and just uh, just to, just to see the different emotions that they evoked. You know, writing is evoked. You know, when we had to write certain essays in school, and once again, me myself or somebody else writing um writing a true experience or something, you know, and it was something that something that was deep and touched touch you know that to touch you so I, I really learned at a young age like i said and, and, and since i was younger i always did write but i didn't want to be a writer like i said i want to be more behind the scenes this right here and sometimes they say um we can't choose our destiny or you know and i, and I want to right. say we're just right here to sell in my lap because this ain't really what i want to do but since I did it, and you know, I, I was lucky enough to get a, 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 a publishing deal my first try. You know, I know people who tried several times and, and couldn't get it. And, and when I was a reader for Triple Crown, I had seen authors submit their manuscripts several times and still didn't get it. You know, so I'm, I got really at a young age, you know, like I said, I had always been a writer. And, and one of the things I reflect on, I remember when I was young, I used to be in my bedroom on the floor with a dictionary writing stories, you know, but I, I never seen it coming around full circle to me becoming an author. I know with me, being an artist was a hobby. Um, and it was it was hard to it was hard to develop other artists and manage artists who took their passion so seriously when it was just a hobby for me. Um, and then I finally found my niche in this industry. I didn't want to do the music. I wanted to continue with the artist management, the artist development, you know, but radio presentation was what was awesome for me. And people always ask questions like, you know, well, like my son asked me today, like, Ma, you need a co-host, so I'll be your co-host. Am I going to get paid? And I had to tell him, you know, son, that's not why I do what I do. You know, um, every time that I get on the air, I feel like a certain amount of, uh, of success being on the air, being able to allow other, you know, independents to um, express themselves and, and get their brand out, you know, to other in our listening audience as well as, you know, others. Um, but that's success right. for me. What does literary success look like to you? Um, literary success looks like to me as far as just, uh, and, and it's funny, is because, like you say, people ask about being a co-host, the first thing you want to know is if they're going to get paid. That's because you don't have a passion for it. So if you have a passion for it, you don't want to get paid for it. Getting paid for it would be a plus. So something for me would be telling my story and to help other people tell their story. You know, because like you said, when you was doing the music, it was more like a hobby. It was hard to, you know, to develop a person who had a passion for it. But by me having been worked behind the scenes, in writing, before I was actually a writer, you know, I know a lot of things that publishing companies are looking for and a lot of things that people are people want to read. So for me, it would be having my story, being able to share my story and help and to help others share their story. And, and it's funny when you run across, because I know you ran across it too in, in, in music, when you find people who tell you, oh, 
I want to do music, or I want to write a book, and then you tell them the steps they got to do, and you sit back waiting for them to produce the material, and they can't even produce the material. So they're really not passionate right, about right. it. So, you know, so, and, and that's why I say that would be like one of my highlights, just helping a person who is serious tell their story. And in doing so, I'm sure you've run across, you know, um, negative feedback as well as positive feedback. When it comes to your book review, how do you handle those situations? And the first time, the first time I got a, a negative book review, you know, I was not, I tripped out. Nah, 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 nah. But <laughs> what it was, I had to understand. I had to understand that the person who 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 did the book review on me, you know, they didn't understand. They didn't understand a lot, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, people not always gonna like what we what, what 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 we choose to put out when we put out something. You know, it could be a cupcake. You know what I'm saying? You might find five people who like your cupcakes. You might find two people who don't. So I, I, I just take it and strap it at the same time. I always do take in criticism, constructive criticism. And when I get a negative, when I do get a negative review, I'll look at what the negative review was pointing at and see if I need to strengthen that area. But my whole my whole thing is we can't please everybody, you know. Right. I, I, don't, ride on a, right. I don't ride on a high horse. And don't pay no attention. Like I said, when I do get some negative feedback, I look at the areas that I got the negative feedback in and see if it can be strengthened in or where it needs to be strengthened or and then but at the end of the day, you know, we can't please everybody. So right. that is what it is. You know, and, and the negative criticism is really hard to take, you know, really take it with a grain of salt. And like I say, just look at it see because where you can strengthen your area when you got a hundred people that like it and you got one person that don't, so you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. basically all all an individual. It's different. It's different for different people. You know, so it's all how the individual take it. But me personally, I I really don't. I just like I said, if there's some constructive criticism in it, I look and see if I can strengthen it where they say it was weak at. If not, I just keep it moving. That's what's up. Um, as a reader for a publishing company prior to uh, writing your own book. Um, what would you say was the most unethical practice um, that you found in the publishing industry? The unethical practice. Um, I can't really, I, I really can't really say on unethical practices in the publishing industry coming from the publishers, coming from the publisher side, but I really can't really call it unethical. One of the, one of the flaws I see others making in I my also, myself also make is rushing, you know what I'm saying, grammar, punctuation, and stuff like that. But as far as unethical practices, uh, we can a person can avoid all that, or avoid a major amount of unethical stuff when they read what they find. You know, but as far as unethical, <laughs> I'm looking at that as far as the scamming and stuff, people getting over them. I didn't really run in. I didn't. I didn't really run into too much of that. You know, persons like I say, you got to read that. You got to read that fine print. No, I have a question. Um, you mentioned grammar. When you send your manuscript out to the publisher, they decide, you know, we're going to pick this book up, we're going to publish this book. Isn't there supposed to be somebody who proofreads your material? Oh, that's, what that's, that's what I'm saying. Yes, it, 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 it has to go through an editing process. But, I'm, but like I was just telling I got a guy right now that's incarcerated. He just sent me a... I think like a 30 chapter book. He emailed it to me. He said, and, and, and wow. like I told him, I said, uh, 
when you do it, it's you're gonna have it. It's, it's gonna go through an editor. It's gonna go through a proofreader. It's gonna go through an editor. It's gonna go through a proofreader again. But you want to try to do the best job that you can to try to cut down on some of that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's gonna go through an editor. It's gonna go through a proofreading, and that's why I say slow down because sometimes we make common mistakes like double writing the word the. You know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. That's 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 the grammatical errors I'm talking about, and that just really comes from just just going moving too fast, you know, and just paying attention to what we're doing. But you know, like most companies, it's about some money. It's just this uh, established companies and, and they have a name, you know, they gonna they gonna catch all that stuff. But from the jump, I, I'm always gonna try to put my best work out anyway. Although, and even I do not put my right. best work out, we all we all make mistakes. So I know it's gonna be some mistakes in there, but at the same time, I'm still gonna try to do the best job I can do. I'm not gonna just turning no crappy stuff, knowing that they got somebody that's going to catch it for me, you know, I'm trying to make the the process as smooth as possible, you know, and then when you do got the mistakes in there, they got to send it back to you, then you got to send it back to them, they got to keep going back and forth, so why don't we keep going through that when I can just do it right the first time? The first time, yeah, and I only ask that because I used to proofread um, for the English department when I was at Syracuse University, and now I find the older I get, like my daughter, you know, her classmates, they bring me their papers, you know, double-check, make sure everything is grammatically correct or whatever. But it irritates the hell out of me when I, you know, read uh, an editorial or, you know, somebody sends me, read my, I want you to read my book. I mean, we've had several authors on the show. You know, I want you to read my book. And on the first page, I find, like, seven mistakes on the first page. So I'm like, okay, so who who proofread this? <laughs> because all of these mistakes, you know, and it's like my eyes just hone in on everything that is, that is incorrect. Like, I forget what I'm reading about. I forget that I'm just supposed to read because that's just instilled in me to pick up all these errors, you know? So that's the only reason why I ask right. the question because I just want to make sure. But, yeah, I wouldn't submit. I would want to submit, like, this is the final piece of the, you know, puzzle right here. Every, you know, the first time I submit, not submit, and then they have to send it back and send it back, and I got to make corrections. Like you said, yeah, I would have to give my all you know, in the very beginning. So right. um, that's that's why I asked that question. Um and, and that was and that I was a good story. You, talk, you said what? I couldn't hear you. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, and, and 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 I said it's good that you have brought this up because you know like that was like one of the things that I have was going through with my book and like the editing, the the, the editing part of it. And, and like I said, I was trying to explain it to the person I was talking to on the phone today. The editing is like a, a crucial part of the book. And on your behalf, as far as you being a proofreader like that, you know, you are, like you said, you are trained to pick up the errors and stuff like that. And it's kind of, and, and, and a person, and another editor was explaining it to me, and, it's, and, and they were saying the same thing. He said that it's hard for them to read like that because they focus on the errors versus being able to focus on the story. So that, that's another right. thing that I, I like to I like that's another tip that I would love. like I said I would try to give people like try to get try to get your 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 your, your editing right. Definitely. Definitely. Now I know that you said that this was not something that you expected to be doing. You didn't, you know, you wanted to be behind the scenes. You didn't want to be, you know, up front, you didn't want to be the writer. But as a child, I feel that you could have done anything differently um, to become a better writer as an adult. Almost definitely, I could have most definitely did some stuff different as a child. I could have stayed out of trouble. I could have stayed out of trouble and stay out of jail. I have been out. Of, I have been out of jail since <laughs> a juvenile. 
So most definitely, you know, it's a whole bunch of stuff I look back and wish I could do do over, but I don't regret it because it wouldn't make me the person I am today, and I wouldn't have a story that I had. Right. You know, exactly. And and exactly. And, and, exactly. and sometimes we get caught up in it. People get caught up in the thinking back if they can go back and change it. What would they do different? What would they be? But how could you say that? Because everything that's not what you're meant to be. Because everything that's meant to be is what happens. But what I can right. say is, I, I, if I could have just stayed out of trouble, I do regret getting myself into so much trouble when I was younger. But at the same time, I said it's still powerful at the end of the day because it made me into the person I am. Talk about because we haven't we haven't touched upon it too much, but your book, The Hanking. Give us a scenario of of the book. Okay, first I'm gonna give you the de- I'm gonna give you the definition of Hank. Hanking, Hanking, Hank was another word in Dayton that they used to call heroin. They used to call it Hank. And when you were selling a lot of it, you know people would say you Hanking. So I took it in the entrepreneur in me. I took it and I put my own global definition on it, which is mean when you can subtract the demand and consistently turn a profit. So. With that being said, no matter what you're doing, if you are supplying a demand it could constantly turn a profit, you hanging. You could be doing hair, you could be selling dinners, you could be selling CDs, you know, you could be uh, uh making baskets. If you hustling, that's what that's basically what it is. It's another word for hustling. So the story is about, you know, how 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 the heroin epidemic have ravaged Dayton. People always look at the the, the, the when people are in the streets they look at the upsides of it. But people don't ever look at the downsides of it, like how many lives are destroyed and some of the things that people lose on the process. Everybody think everything is glitter is gold, but it ain't. So you in that type of lifestyle, by me being away from that lifestyle, and almost just not really call it a square life, but by me not living in that lifestyle and living right, I have nowhere near as much stress as I had when I was in the street. Because when you're in the streets, you gotta watch out. For, well, you gotta watch out for the police. You gotta watch out for robbery boys. You gotta look out for people trying to beat you. You know, and and that's basically what the book is about. The book is basically about the heroin epidemic in Dayton and how one person, a guy, the main character, Skull, you know, he had lost his father when he was young, when he was a child, due to a, a heroin overdose, and he said he would never sell heroin. But when he go away to prison and do 10 years, when he come back, heroin has took over. So he had a choice to make. You know, do you want this, this quick money and his fame, or are you going to stick to your word and not mess with it? Okay. And where where can our listeners uh, purchase the book? Uh, you get the book on all all major book retailers, um, Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, off my website. I got a website. Um like I said, Barnes and Nobles, Goodreads, Walmart.com, off my and off my website. Okay. Make sure that you're purchasing uh, Hanking um, by James Turner. Make sure that you're giving a review as well, um, whether it's positive or 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 negative. He mentions, you know, um, briefly how he receives. Uh, negative reviews, and good constructive criticism. So make sure that you're purchasing, um, again, Hanking. He did mention all the retailers, some of the retailers that you can get it from, as as well as the website. Um, He'll give that website in just a few minutes. Um, We are down to the last part of the show. 
and uh, we play a little game. Even though we, we, we touched upon a lot of your personal life, um, there's still some things that, you know, people might want to know about you. All right, so a quick little game we play is called Either Or. I'm going to give you one choice or I'm going to give you another choice. And you tell me which one works best for you. All right? Nothing that you got to okay. think hard on. Um, it's just, you know, quick 10-second question, you know, very two-second, you know, quick answer. All right? You ready? Okay. Okay. Here we go. Do you like the sunrise or the sunset? Sunrise. Do you think before you speak or do you speak before you think? Think before I speak. <laughs> you like money or fame? Money. You like washing dishes or doing laundry? Doing laundry. Last but not least, you like Frosted Flakes or Lucky Charms? Frosted Flakes. <laughs> and there you have it, guys. Just a little bit of personal information on our guest tonight, James Turner. I want to turn the floor over to you now. Go ahead and get your shout-outs out, um, your contact information, so that if anybody's listening tonight, you know, like I mentioned, if they want to work with you, um, if they want to do a collaboration with you, you know, if they want you to proofread their work, um, get the floor yours to get all of your contact information out now for those that are listening and for those who may come back and listen on the playback show. Okay, I want to give Indy Fire a shout-out for having me as a guest on the show. I want to shout-out Saving Sexy Radio, powered by the RIB Network. Uh, you can reach me on Instagram at Mr. Just Get It. You can reach me on Facebook at James Turner Third, And you can reach me, reach me on Twitter at Just Get It. You can check out my YouTube channel at James Turner Third, And my website is www.wixsite.com. Dot com. What is it? I'm sorry. www.wixsite.com. Hank in the book backslash James Turner. Did I hear you shout out Save and Sexy Radio? Yes. Shout out to Susie Newton. That's my business bestie right there. I didn't know that's how we were connected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I love I love Miss Susie. Love her to death. Guys, make sure people. that you are listening to. She is. She is very good people. The realest. Yes. Make sure you're listening to Indie Fire this Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with our guest R&B singer, the Queen. She's a queen? Nah, she's the first lady of Queen City. That's Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, she goes by the name of Lady Kier. And tune back in on Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For new music Mondays, make sure you're getting the submissions uh, emailed to Monica at info at IndieFireRadio.com. And then back here again on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Gerard Belcher. Yes, he's an artist. He's a DJ. You know, he's a producer. He's an entrepreneur. He got a little bit of everything going on. So make sure that you're tuning in. If you do not make them all, please do not miss them all. Right. Make sure you're following the show on all social media platforms at Indie Fire. Make sure you're following me on all social media platforms at Girl in Motion. I want to leave you with this quote this evening. Ah, oh, I'm so sorry. 
thank you to my guest this evening. Yes, thank you. You could have been anywhere this evening, but you chose to spend your time with us here on Indie Fire. So thank you. Once you're on the show, you become a part of the family. You're always welcome back. Keep that in mind. Okay, thank you. I'm going to leave you with a quote. You're welcome. My quote this evening is, music is language. Music is the language of the spirit. It opens the secret of life, bringing peace and abolishing strife. That's Khalil Gibran. So until Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, have a good night. Mm -hmm.